0: Started from the bottom. This campaign has been about those who have been. This is the podcast for Black Virginia News, the first and only platform. This is the podcast for
1: Black Virginia News, the first and only platform that covers all of Black Virginia. Virginia News Podcast number 10. This is Lauren Burke. I'm the publisher of Black Virginia News with Maurice Hawkins. We're going to talk a little bit about the blue Commonwealth gala. Uh, a lot of new faces in the crowd who had just won. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the exonerated fives. The sex Every single
0: thing that happens to you, happens for you. Right?
1: Pretty Pretty amazing story, but anyway, go ahead, Maurice. Uh, yeah, uh, before we
0: start talking about Blue Commonwealth Gala, I just wanted to get something uh, out into the uh, the digital space here. Um, I had some feedback this past week about last week's show, which I thought was a great show. I really enjoyed talking about the uh, the primary races, both in the House and the Senate. Um, just for the folks who are listening, uh, when I'm on the Black Virginia news podcast
1: i am representing myself and no one else i am an independent political analyst in this
0: role uh reserved to right to give my opinions as and, and such uh i know there's some people who may or may not agree with the analysis that i provide and that's fair uh, but at all times you know i am operating as an indiv- independent voice private citizen sharing my viewpoints and values uh, you know i am historically very um uh, Supportive of, of the Democratic Party and Democratic candidates, the Democratic values and Democratic ideals. But again, I do not represent any other organization other than myself on this podcast. So I just wanted to be clear about that for anyone listening in the future. Just in case there was any confusion, which from my vantage point there was not. But sometimes you just got to make things crystal clear for people. understand. Well, nice to be welcome, and thank you for. Uh Venue with me. I'm glad to be
1: back in, in Virginia. So, Blue Commonwealth was fun. My observation is that, uh, you know, it, it is a great venue, which of course is the train station in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic venue. There is a sound quality issue in there, to say the least, for some odd reason. You know, certain people sound really clear and then others don't. Uh, but it, it is a great venue in terms of the size of it and the different spaces where you can do stuff. There's a VIP space. There's a few potential VIP spaces, and they've had the VIP reception in different places over the years. But it was nice to see in the room uh, Saddam Salim was there, and uh, LaSharice Aird was there. It was pretty cool. You know, what was your what your general
0: impression? Um, I think the first thing I'll talk about is uh, speech... just definitely was a tremendous influencer during the uh, Bill Clinton years and uh, Benny Thompson um, in Mississippi, who was the chair of the uh, January 6th Commission and he gave a really powerful presentation on you know, the impact of Virginia uh, political, not just in Virginia specifically but Virginia's political influence outside of the, the Commonwealth The President of the United States trying to stop the transfer of power a precedent that had stood for 220 years, even as our democracy had faced its most difficult test. know, I mean, definitely touched on, you know, the um, uh, the elements of the January 6th commission and how we still dealing with those issues. And I think uh, Paul Vigala, who, who, who quite frankly, I thought he had a really rousing, old-school, old-timey democratic speech, you know, definitely, definitely had a 90s vibe to it, but I really appreciate what he was doing as far as, you know, you know, revving up the troops for the upcoming races. And I think that the message that resonated throughout the evening, not just through uh, Bagala and Thompson, but all of the speakers from Tim Kaine, Mark Warner, uh, Mamie Locke, uh, Scott, uh, Eileen Philicorn, uh, Abigail Spanberger, uh, Bobby Scott, uh, was unity, party unity coming together after a very just Primary Season, and I think that that message resonated throughout the room. What I always appreciate about the Google Commonwealth Gala is that it is that culminating activity after a primary season where, you know, contentious Primaries were debilitated, and uh, campaigns, both winning campaigns and losing campaigns, begin the process of bringing those allies, those resources, those assets under one banner to help win in the finish, uh, to win in November I remember uh, Blue Commonwealth gala I went to in 2018 when I worked on the uh, uh, Karen Ballard uh, Congress campaign against Elaine Luria who was the eventual winner and had really good conversations with Elaine's team and that actually led to me becoming a staffer on her campaign in 2018 so that's what I really appreciate Blue Commonwealth We need jobs for all and that's good wages, the ab- the ability to collectively burden infrastructure, support for small businesses. We need health care for all. We've got to protect the Affordable Care Act from the Trump yeah, sabotage. Yeah, I thought it was
1: cool. Um, One thing I will say is that with all the newness and the uh, sort of the new generation coming up and certainly the obvious diversity, uh, that won on the ballot on the June 20 primary. It might have been a good thing to throw up on that stage one of those people. You know, maybe it's Tom yeah. Salim. Maybe it's Jennifer Foy. I, I don't think, I don't know that she was there. I didn't see her, but she might have been there and I just didn't see her. Maybe it's La Charisse Aird. Uh, maybe it's Roussette Perry, who is all but guaranteed to have a, a very competitive race. Um, yeah. You know, I did see Aaron Rouse there. He's he's likely to have a competitive race. I, I think the youngest person on that stage was, um, if I had to guess, um, Lamont Bagby, uh, who I think is in his mid-40s. Um, you know, I just am sort of into the idea of having a space during the dinner uh, where you showcase your bench. You showcase the next generation. Maybe, maybe that's just having the president of the young Dems up you know uh i loved who was up there there's nothing against and i and i'm not one of these people who, who likes to say things like and you hear this in our politics all the time oh we need new blood and let's have new people just to have new people no actually these senior people that we have are at the peak of their power so congressman scott uh l louise lucas state senator El louise lucas uh, you know, Mamie Locke. I mean, they're, they're at the peak of their powers. I'm not. I, I love talking to the uh, folks that have been around a while because they know what's going on. <laughs> they just know what's happening, right? So, I, but I do think the dinner might be served well to have someone on the stage that represents the next generation. Mean, you know, maybe it's Suhas or I, I don't know. I, I just think I've seen several dinners now, and there seems to never be anyone. I wouldn't say never, but I mean rarely do i see someone up there who is like the up-and-coming i mean maureen coffee won the arlington county board race and she was the president of the young dems maybe you put her up there i don't know i mean it's not to, not to say that if that if uh Rusev, perry or aaron rouse was up there that means they're going to automatically win their election i mean of course not but it would be nice because it would provide some video for them to you know be seen a uh, in front of a big crowd. So that's my, my one of my observations and, and takeaways When payment. we first moved to this country, one of the things I remember seeing was people taking our belongings away from the curb as if it was trash. I looked at my brother and said, is this what America's about? But we had friends at Falls Church who reached out to us? They took us in, let us live in their basements, spare rooms, until we could get affordable housing for ourselves. Fairfax County has really been the community that supported us. That's about it. Yeah, I think
0: that's a, what I would consider constructive criticism for the future, where you know, making sure that we are highlighting those future voices of the party, um, especially if someone that you know wins like a wins a primary that is clearly on the leading. End. A new generation of leadership. So I, I, I think that that may be considered a missed opportunity, but hopefully something that they could integrate in the future. Uh, I think what was interesting is that uh, the uh, there was a graphic put out by the uh, Democratic Party of Virginia on their social media platforms. And both the House of Delegates candidates, as well as the uh, state Senate state Senate candidates, in the House, 5 percent of the nominees are women. And 49% of those candidates are, are candidates of color. And in the Senate, 56% of the candidates are women, and 49% of those candidates are candidates of color. So when you, when you start about putting your money where your mouth is, as far as a party that has diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're seeing it play out with the candidate candidates. And that's something that we, we spoke about briefly last week when we did our, our overall analysis of uh, the uh, 2023 primary. My name is Russet Perry. I'm a Democrat running to flip the 31st state Senate seat out here in Loudoun and And another big County. race we've
1: been watching tonight, Senate District 21. State Delegate Angela Williams Graves defeated Norfolk City Councilwoman Andrea McClellan for the seat, snagging 62% of the vote.
0: Good Raves evening. Been- I'm Elizabeth Bell with the Rockbridge Report. And joining me today is Jade Harris, a senior at Mary Baldwin University who ran
1: for Glasgow Town I Council this year. I think that the... Uh, the diversity equity i mean you don't when when you're doing something you don't really need to say it (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's it's happening like the voters are actually doing it right so so to me it's sort of like um uh why not just have i mean it it totally makes sense who spoke i mean who spoke well obviously you had your keynote was benny thompson Mm -hmm. you know all good and the the Bagala thing, okay, fine if i get I did get the sense that maybe what happened there was they invited Bagala and then later found out that Benny was coming, <laughs> and they were like, "Okay, we have two keynotes, but it's fine to have two keynotes there's no you know you do whatever you want at your dinner, you know." Uh, yeah. You know, the, obviously, Kane and Warner were up there. Congressman Scott, uh, Leader Don Scott, uh, Mamie Locke. And I think the speech, the best speech of the evening was probably uh, the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus, Lamont Bagby, who got up there for about two minutes, did like this really good, quick, uplifting speech, and got off the stage. <laughs> I just gave him a standing <laughs> ovation for that because I thought that was pretty cool, particularly when you have so many speakers in one evening. But I will say, you know, um, maybe there the just could be a section of two minutes or one minute speeches where you're just like, "Hey, this is the, the future." You know, it kind of reminded me of when, a uh, little bit of when McAuliffe uh, got the nomination, and so of course he beats th- you know four other people, uh, and shortly thereafter, remember there was a rally at Virginia Commonwealth University with Barack Obama, uh, former President Barack Obama, and I was a little surprised that they didn't have on the stage uh jennifer mcclellan or jennifer foy because you you kind of sort of needed a unity moment i wasn't surprised they didn't have justin fairfax because of course of the rivalry between McAuliffe and Justin, but 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 i was surprised you have two black women who were in the primary uh and so um i felt like why not be showing the audience you know you're at vcu it's a younger crowd that was there show them that okay everybody's unified and here we are on the stage and then and then remember they went to Dumfries I actually went to that event I went to both of those the Dumfries one you know is very close to where Jennifer uh Carol Foy's base is uh, then at some point it went Roanoke, and of course that's close to where Sam Rasool's been, and none of these people are on the stage. So it's sort of, I think that, you know, when you don't have, again, in this in this cycle, we don't have at the top of the ticket, we're not having a governor's race and we're not having a senatorial race, so a U.S. Senate race. So you're going to need to get people who are young out there. One of the numbers that was kind of disquieting in 2021 was that younger voters didn't seem to be all that excited. And, and I just think there's some some things you can do, steps you can take to kind of change the that. The Northern Virginia delegate who led the charge to get the ERA ratified earlier this year is announcing her bid for governor of the Commonwealth, Jennifer Carroll. I totally Ford, agree Senator with that. I think that at all
0: times, there, there, there needs to be a, a deliberative effort to engage young people, uplift young people, empower young people. Um, and I think events like the Blue Commonwealth Gala um, serves as a... Um, a way of doing it now I do know that there was a lot of promotion of the you know, Virginia young Democrats after party and there was a lot of sponsors of uh, you know current elected officials and candidates that sponsored that event and I know that there was some um, some amplification of their event in regards to social media with the uh, the DPVA um, and other groups so, so I think that, but again I think going into 2024 you know in the presidential year I think that'll be a golden opportunity to really try to leverage those young voices. Um, for that election, but, you know, just i but i would consider this a missed opportunity um to have a party that hopefully they can rectify in uh twenty twenty four
1: it was pretty
0: cool uh, You else? know those speech really got me um was uh senator mamie Locke's speech uh it right. was very colorful yeah. uh it was very on point it was very direct it was very classic mamie if you know mamie um uh, yeah. and uh I, I really appreciate her. You know, really, you know, illustrating with her her remarks the gravity of the races coming up and the need for uh, Democratic candidates to one, come together. Number two, Democratic candidates being serious about the states facing the Commonwealth, and and not even just the Commonwealth. When you look at the issues as it relates to reproductive health, with Virginia basically being the last bastion of reproductive health independence in the South, you know, it's like the last firewall where you you could completely lose access to abortion uh, care in a sizeable portion of the United States. Uh, So I I think that's going to be a message that you'll hear quite frequently um, on the campaign trail uh, this fall. So I thought Senator Locke did a really good job highlighting the gravity of the issues facing the Commonwealth and the country. So good job to her. Ron DeSantis'
1: anti-woke curriculum to include removing AP black studies has made its way to Virginia. At least four states... Yusuf Salam is one of the Central Park Exonerated Five, wrongly convicted of rape in 1989. He made his struggle for justice part of his campaign. CBS 2's Jesse Mitchell reports. (laughs) Of the just over 11,000 primary That's votes Yusuf incredible Salam story. Secured I, I, the district uh, You know, the... Yusef Salam was a part of the uh, Central Park Five. I, I grew up in New York. My mother's from Virginia. Uh, so half my family is from Virginia and the others from New York. But I grew up on Long Island, but I was born in the Bronx. I, I have to say that when I was a kid, This story was was on the front cover day after day after day, and these guys, to say that they were vilified would be a vast understatement. To see him win last night, uh for the new york member city member of the central park five wrongfully convicted of a rape he did not commit now stands on the brink of joining new york city council yousef salam currently maintains the lead in a democratic primary whose winner is expected to go on to win in the november general election morgan mckay takes a look at how his victory could shape the political landscape morgan Stephen
0: Natasha from prison to politics Yusef Salam one of the exonerated
1: Central Park 5 declared victory yesterday in the primary for the central Harlem City Council seat he gave a speech last night filled with emotion here's what he
0: had to say started from the bottom. <laughs> And it was quite a quote. that's an oh my God moment in politics, you know, I mean, that's heartwarming, is that what, I mean, you know, I like the fact that we're calling them the exonerated five, and what I find interesting is that this is a group of young men of color that were vilified by Donald Trump to the degree where he, you know, called for them to be hung uh, for the things that were allegedly um charged against them, um, that he took out a full page a full page ad in in the newspaper, you know, calling for, you know, these horrible things we've done to these young men. For them accused, convicted, and imprisoned as a teenager for the rape of a woman jogging in Central Park, Youssef Salam served nearly seven years in prison. At the time, Donald Trump took out a full page ad in the New York Times calling on the state to adopt the death penalty in the wake of this case, something Salam referenced in his victory. have their their names restored and they did not commit the things that they were uh, allegedly accused of and then to see that Yusuf Salam has won an elected position and you know his political career is starting to skyrocket and then the the former president is going through more legal troubles than you can possibly imagine. You know it's definitely a reversal of fortune. Uh, I saw a lot of people use the phrase karma today Mm -hmm. on social media. Uh, which I think is very valid in this point. But I'm just happy to see um, uh, Salam have this moment, not only for himself and his family, but I think for the community in New York City who really has, you know, had endured a really gut-wrenching time with, you know, the whole Central Five um, drama that played out in the
1: late 80s. And early yeah, it is a pretty incredible arc. And that story was a real uh, window into how black males are treated in the criminal justice system. Uh, and that was not back in the 1800s. I believe that was the 1980s when that happened. It was a uh, it was a real uh, example of how the media uh, gets involved in things. It wasn't just that the media was sort of sitting there and just reporting what everybody was saying. The media was actually, actually a, a negative player in that story. Uh, and that was uh, really regrettable. But the arc of of him now um, <laughs> incredibly being a, a New York City councilman is, pretty, is, is just pretty amazing. At some point, we'll have a very exhaustive discussion about the media in general. There's a lot to say there, uh, <laughs> how these stories <laughs> that, that get, uh, frankly, misreported. Um so there's more to come. Uh this is Lauren Burke with Maurice Hawkins uh on Black Virginia News podcast. Thank you for listening to Black Thank Virginia you for News. listening to Black Virginia News.